Welcome to Hey Miss the Podcast. This is Mary and Dee Dee and we are doing a talking text episode about one of my favorite poems actually called We Teach Life Sir by and I'm I'm gonna try and say her name like she says it. She says like Rafif Ziada. Yeah. When she says it, yes. Yeah. She has the coolest accent. She does have a great accent. So um, she was actually born in Beirut, Lebanon, to parents who were Palestinian refugees. Um, She was raised in Tunisia in North Africa and then attended university at York University in Toronto, Canada. So she moved around a lot. Um, She is a lecturer, a poet, a human rights activist who now lives in London. Um, Do you want to give us a little bit of background slash history? I knew that there was an Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which is what this poem is going to be about, basically. Um, and so, but I realized, I knew that there was a conflict, but I didn't know much about it. And when we decided to teach this poem, I still didn't really know much about it. And it's really, really detailed um, and quite complicated. So I'm going to give you the basics. Um, so what I thought, and I realized that I'm kind of wrong, is I thought it was a religious conflict, because that's what most people think. They think it's that it's like a... Um, people portray it as being between Islam and Judaism, which um, it is, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. Okay, so it's more like about land, which which kind of goes about religion, but it's really complicated. So I'm going to try and like, okay, so Israel is the world's only Jewish state, right? Um, it's near the Mediterranean Sea, so the Palestinians um, who come from the land that Israel now controls refer to that ter- territory as Palestine and they want to establish a state by that name on all or part of that land. So that's like the main conflict. They're like, well, this is where we come from, you know, we, and so the idea was to split it into two states. So the conflict is about that piece of land, who gets what and who's going to control it and stuff like that. So both, and this is where the religion comes in because the people from Israel are Jewish and the people from Palestine are Muslim. So the, the whole like religious thing comes in there. They both claim or say that their claims date back thousands of years. So they both like have this very long legacy. Um, but the conflict began in the 20th century. So it's been going for ages. So uh, the Jews fled persecution in Europe, obviously, and they wanted to have a national homeland in what was then basically an Arab Muslim territory. Um, and the Arabs were like, no, this is ours. So the United Nations kind of interceded and they were planning to give each group a part of the land, but that didn't work. And so they fought wars over the territory for ages. Um, there was one really big war in 1948, another in 1967. The one basically left Israel in control of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, which were two territories that had really, really big Palestinian populations in them. Um, and that was kind of the, you know, the main issue. At the moment, the West Bank is... Co- mostly controlled by the Palestinian Authority um, but it's under Israeli Israeli occupation at the same time so it's super confusing and so they have Israeli troops who kind of like enforce their security restrictions on the movement of Palestinians and stuff and so they have this two-state solution so they want to establish Palestine as independent state in Gaza um, and leave the rest of the land to Israel so this would be like but they can't decide how that's going to work in reality um so but then the other alternative is that they have one state and it's either all palestine or all israel which is obviously 
<laughs> not helpful and neither side is backing down. So it's been in the news kind of recently, um, well, within the last few months or so, like bombs being dropped in like a, um, lots of Palestine, like Pal- I think it was literally a couple of days ago, like it got dropped on like a Palestinian school. Mm. Um, and hospitals and stuff like that. So it's it kind of like um, fades into the background though for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is like every day, but for like say over here for us, it's like we hear about it for a bit and then we hear nothing and something big will happen and we hear about it again. Um, and so it's obviously been going for a long time and that is like the kind of very, very simple version of the conflict. Um, and both sides believe they are right. Yeah. And that's the like, you know. And no one will back down. No, and like the UN problem. are kind of like powerless to really do anything when yeah, you've got two sides that refuse to sign a sign a treaty or yeah. do anything. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's very very complicated. So it is. So this poem was first written um, in two thousand eight to two thousand nine in the aftermath of the Israeli war on Gaza, um, and it was her two thousand eleven live performance of this poem that went viral yeah. um, and really kind of became that's when it became well known yeah and I would suggest that if you want to do this poem that you actually so show your students her actual performance of it rather than just um reading it reading it because one she literally gives you the reason that she wrote the poem is that a journalist asked her Miss Theodore why don't you just teach your children why don't you just stop teaching your children so much hatred which is one of the kind of like first like what eight lines of the poem yeah and she just was like i had to remind myself to be polite and that we don't teach our children to hate we have to teach our children this is our way of life yeah and that's why she wrote the poem yeah um yeah it's crazy yeah and also like part of the issue is just what is actually shown in the media and what journalists are actually going there like I don't know it's hard because journalists obviously obviously don't want to go there because it's quite a I guess war-torn country yeah and so and in terms of world news like no one's really covering it and also we talk about the supposed neutrality of the media like they're supposed to present it from a neutral viewpoint not being on either side but of course the Palestinians are Muslim yeah and the Israelis are Jewish who are we going to, like, which side is going to be presented more favorably in the media considering the prejudice against Muslims? Yeah. It's going to be the Israeli side, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so she kind of insinuates, well, <laughs> very cleverly in her poem that the media is not presenting the story yeah. um, in a bipartisan way. Yes. It's very much, like, one-sided. And yeah. she... It's very much about the story. Yeah, don't, don't give me a political story. Yes, give me it's a not a political story. story. Um, so, essentially what we're going to do, um, like we said, probably best that you actually go and watch her mm. um, performance. We're not going to read through the full poem. We'll, we'll give you bits We'll cut out go. bits and pieces and kind of discuss the significance. Um, so, early on, in the first section of the poem, there's lots of repetition. So, the first three lines are repeated with a little bit added on. Um, so the, the, the longest line is today, my body was a TV massacre that had to fit into sound bites and word limits filled with enough statistics to counter measured response. Um, and then, 
so it's like repetition, but it's also anaphora, which is like the beginning of the line is repeated and then you add something different on. So the very first line is just the today my body was a TV massacre. The next line adds in to fit into sound bites and word limits, and the, f- the third line then ends up with the field with the statistics to counter measures responses. There's also like the metaphor of my body was a TV massacre, and she talks about in her explanation, which is another reason to watch the video, that she went as a media spokesperson. Yeah. And that she, as a Palestinian woman, was kind of used as the representative of Palestine. Yeah. Um, and she was like, they were asking her questions, like she had all the answers for her entire country. Yeah. Um, and so her body became the representation of this massacre of people who had died in the war. Like she was the representation of it. Yeah. And the soundbite is like, three minutes or something I yeah. think she says later in the poem and your word limits are like 1200 words if you're writing a newspaper article so yeah. she has to fit a whole massacre h- and hundreds of years of history yeah into this like tiny amount of space and yeah. also address the history because you have to because everyone knows but also this is what's happening now yeah so um yeah and I like just the use of TV like you know we talk about things being Hollywooded up like yeah. you know it's TV'd up like things are made a certain way for television absolutely um it's funny because i'm currently going through this with my year nines we're doing a media and journalism um unit and we're talking about you know the way things are presented differently for a particular purpose for a particular Mm -hmm. audience um sometimes the humanity is taken out of it sometimes it's really injected into it it's just interesting um to see the way different media sources choose to portray the same story or idea she talks about perfecting her english and this is kind of undercurrent of racism throughout the poem not from her but like projected onto her and the palestinians because they are muslim Mm. and she talks about learning un resolutions and i asked my class what they knew about the united nations resolutions and they knew nothing yeah. So United Nations has like 17 global resolutions. I think there's 17 at the moment um, that has like their aim. And they'll give you normally like a date, but they have to keep moving the date because yeah. they never get there. And underneath, I think it's underneath the 17, there's like however many dot points for each one. And things like, you know, no racism, equality yeah. for all people, yeah. uh, access to food and water, like all this kind of stuff. So she's literally turned, like talking about learning these resolutions to be able to like... Use them as part of her... Measured statement. Yeah. yeah. And it's just it's so so <laughs> heartbreaking and that, and i think like this particular line is like the one that really hits is he asked me miss siada you don't think that everything would be resolved if you would just stop teaching so much hatred to your children hmm, rhetorical question yeah and she just and she just kind of like looks in the camera and she just says pause and like that short sentence is like because she references that question when she explains why she wrote the poem hmm. And she and I, I just sit there and let the kids sit with it at the end. I'm like, what is what does that person mean by that question? Mm. The insinuation is that this entire conflict is on the Palestinian people. Yeah. Stop teaching your children, the Muslim children, because that's the undercurrent, racist undercurrent there. Yeah. Stop teaching your Muslim Muslim children to hate Jewish people, and then you wouldn't have a problem. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Who owns this land? Mm. Like that's the conflict. Like yeah. there's no. They're both saying their claims go back thousands of years. So who's right or wrong? Yeah. Are either of them right or wrong? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you? How can you prove that? Can you so quantify why it? are you putting on me? Yeah. Is it because we're Muslim? Yeah. Is it because people think inherently Muslims are hate-filled? We're not. This is it's like, and that's exactly thing, what it is. Is like you you look at um, like the scriptures, like the Bible. You look at um, 
you know, you look at all of these sacred scriptures from different religions and they don't inherently teach hate. Absolutely not. There's extremists in every religion. Yeah, and I'm that's sorry, it. Christians are not. I was gonna say, I'm like, they're, they're in every religion and so it's just, yeah, it's there's a lot of like, yeah. I guess, a racial bias and there's also a religious Absolutely. bias in, in that. She uses a lot of emotive language, obviously, because that's such a personal thing. Another reason to watch the film clip the video clip is because that tone and emotion that you try and get your kids to like pull out using emotive language is really really obvious because she's angry and she's upset and it's her story yeah it's and it's such words. a personal thing yeah. and so i'm like as my kids who chose to do this for their poetry which we're kind of finalizing at the moment i was like go back and watch it and if you talk about tone and emotion you can't go wrong because you're literally listening to what i say it yeah um so things like she says i look inside of me for strength to be patient patience is not at the tip of my tongue as the bombs drop over Gaza and I love the way she said because obviously she says Gaza yeah Gaza yeah it's like such a cool thing and mm. um, patience has just escaped me pause yeah. smile and I talked about a little bit like also as a woman mm. you are supposed to be patient yeah and not lose your temper yeah and to be you know allowed to be emotional because then you're just being an overly emotional hysterical woman yeah and so it's also this little bit of like she says pause full stop, smile, full stop, this like use of Suzora, this like punctuation of the line to show you that she has to stop herself from being like, like yeah, no. from from telling them what she really thinks. She has to, her, her response has to be measured. It goes back to that. She it has to, I'm professional. She has to be professional. She's on TV yeah. as well, you know, like, um, and she's a representative of her people. She's representing all of them. And like, so she she has to, you know, somehow be perfect mm. and like, you know, eloquent in her speech. Yes. And calm and patient and just take everything yeah. as it comes. And it's just, it's so much pressure. And yeah, and then she says, we teach a life, sir. Which reminds me of Romeo and Julia a little bit with that like really icy, polite, let me mm. call you sir. But sir. underneath that, underneath mm-hmm. that word is like, let me tell you why you're a moron a little bit. Sir. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm like, what do you think she means by we teach life? We're not teaching them hatred. We're teaching them how to live in this world that they're in that's in the middle of a conflict. Yeah. This is our life here. And, and then, no end in sight. No. And, and then with any media coverage, we're teaching what our life is. Yeah. This is our life. We teach life. And then she she uses more repetition and more anaphora. Mm. Say we Palestinians teach life after they've occupied the last sky, after they've built settlements and apartheid walls. And there's your racism again, this idea of apartheid. After the last skies, you know, um, after all of these horrible things that happens, the bombs that drop over Gaza, who that they hit hospitals, that hit schools, and mm. like you cannot tell me that they don't know what those. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the Palestinians have not done the same thing in return. Like, I don't, I didn't know enough about the conflict. And it always happens. There's atrocities on either side every time. Yeah. But. There are innocent civilians dying. Yeah. Every day. And in the conflict because of it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like you encroach, you take your land, you take that, then they take the land back. And then there's this like, we'll put up walls, we'll put up settlements as security guards that watch where you go and what you do. And, and we're teaching them life. This is the way. This is the way of life. This is how we live. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting and devastating at the same time. Yeah. Um, And then it's really, really interesting because, again, we have repetition of that line. Um, Today, my body was a TV massacre made to fit into sound bites and word limits. And just 
and it's almost as if this is like the conversation she's having. Just give Absolutely us a story, imagine. a human story. You see, this is not political. We just want to tell people about you and your people. So give us a human story. Yeah, and this is what I mean about the media. It's like such crap about it being neutral. The media hasn't been neutral in forever. Yeah. And won't be. Because it's not a political, it is a political story. It That's is. literally what this whole conflict is. It's yeah. politics. Yeah. It's like, this is our land. No, it's our land. But we don't want to talk about that mm -hmm. because it's too hard. It's too complicated. We're a little bit racist. Mm -hmm. um, so give us a human story. Give us like an individual story about a specific mm -hmm. person. And she gives you some examples a bit later she's like uh tell us about a woman who needs medication yeah um you know like give us something easy like oh this woman needs medication oh okay everyone can feel sorry about that everyone can be like oh you know we can yeah everyone we can, can empathize with that, that. Yeah. yeah but um when you start bringing politics into it about like who's right or who who's wrong well that might alienate some people mm -hmm. this might you know anger other people over there so don't make it political i'm yeah. sorry no, but it is it inherently political. You know, don't mention the word apartheid. Don't say occupation. But that's what's happening here. Yeah. No matter yeah. whose side you're on, that's still what's happening. Yeah. In the, yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, she again repeats that line, my body was a TB massacre. Um, but with these highly emotive words, trying to move those um, that are desensitized to terrorist blood, like this belief that because they're Muslim, they're terrorist. Yeah. And therefore... People don't people care, don't about care if, they, if they're dying. It's like, but there are women and children and innocent people in amongst all of this. The next line is the killer for me, the next two lines. Mm -hmm. um, but they felt sorry. Okay, so sympathy. But then she told you what they felt sorry for. They felt sorry for the cattle over Gaza. Yeah. Like, oh, I think, I think I remember what she's talking about because I went hunting for it when I first read this poem that there had been... Either something had been poisoned or something like that, and this like massive field of cattle that they used for food, etc., had been wiped out. Yeah. And they showed like an aerial shot of the field of these dead carcasses. Of yeah. carcasses. And it's horrendous to look at, but I'm sorry. Like, what about, what about the, the people? What about the thousands of people? And they didn't even really talk Human about... Human carcasses. They, they mentioned it as like food, like it's their, their food supply and stuff. Like, yeah, that, that, that is a horrible thing. But what about these thousands, hundreds of thousands of dead people who have died as well like yeah you know okay food supply is terrible and yes mention it but surely you could be looking at like they i i think in the recent one they've showed like as because a hospital got bombed and a school got bombed they kind of spent more time in it and they showed these people coming out with like these stretches obviously carrying tiny bodies with people wailing over them like yeah this is what you should have been showing us the entire time yeah because this has been happening the entire time yeah this is not me um, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so heartbreaking. Um, so I give them UN resolutions and statistics and we condemn and we deplore and we reject. And we, I think it's really interesting that she says we, yeah. cause she's talking about the, the journalists that she's, you know, who's interviewing her perhaps. Um, but also she could be talking about because she's not in Palestine anymore. Yeah. So maybe she feels a sense of guilt. Yeah. You know, as oh, being yeah, part oh of God, like one of these like westernized cultures yeah. where... And we the do, and people go, oh my god, that shouldn't be happening, that's not what the world's supposed to be like, and then what do we do about it? Nothing. Nothing happens. Yeah. We just let it keep going. Yeah. No. Um, and these are not two equal sides, occupier and occupied. And a hundred dead, two hundred dead, a thousand dead. And between that, war crime and massacre. Invent out words and smile. Not exotic. Not terrorist. Yeah. Racist again so it's interesting there's there's this undercurrent of like racism yeah 
yeah. that she is facing. As soon as you mention the word Muslim, yeah, people's walls go up. Yeah, because of the way that the media has represented Muslim people. Yeah, and especially I think like let's be real in England and America, and it definitely happens here too. Mm. Um, but England and America are like the anti-Muslim sentiment. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. Yeah. It's like. It, so it's incredibly problematic um but there's this highly emotive language this this imagery of there being hundreds dead thousands dead and yet yeah you know we're not talking the war crime we're not talking the massacre we're not talking about any of this people don't want to hear about it people you know you can keep talking about it and no one will listen no one cares and she asks is anyone out there will anyone listen and and that's the irony is that these news stories go out across the world Mm -hmm. and we all go, oh my god, that's so bad. And then we move on with that day. Mm. And what happens to that conflict? What happens to those people? It's Are we sending aid over there? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I remember hearing about, I think it was in the newspaper, when the Ukraine-Russia thing, which is also horrendous, everyone's like, oh, what about what's happening in Tigray? Mm. Oh, well, people in Ukraine and Russia are white. People in Tigray are black. People in Palestine are Muslim. Yeah. Why do we not care about these other conflicts? Why do yeah. we care about the white conflict? Yeah. And what's happening in Ukraine and Russia is like that ridiculous. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But these other things are happening too. There's so much happening all around the world. And but why are we only giving yeah. aid and sending millions of dollars yeah. to Ukraine mm. who yeah need help, but also what about these other countries? What about this conflict that's been raging for ages with children who are dying every day? Like what are we doing? Nothing. Yeah. I don't know. No. Yeah. I don't have the answers, people, but no. I feel like people who are higher up should maybe come up with some yeah that would be great that'd be, yeah, that'd be um so we have more repetition anaphora i wish i could wail over their bodies i wish i could just run barefoot in every refugee camp and hold every child and cover their ears so they wouldn't have to hear the sound of bombing for the rest of their life the way i do and it's like that the thing that runs underneath every poem about war is this ptsd lingering psychological trauma of the things that you witness if you have experienced war in any way whether you've been a soldier whether you have been a child in the court in the middle of a war-torn country it's just like the dreams and the sounds that you can never escape yeah you can never wipe your your slate clean no it's never going away it's like you know lots of people who come to australia have escaped war-torn countries yeah and that that trauma is intergenerational, like just yep. because maybe you were born in Australia, but you get that trauma from your parents. Yeah, like because of what they're saying, way. because of their PTSD, yeah. because they've yeah. suffered. Yeah, those lines are brutal. They're they're heartbreaking. And in the last section, she repeats "no soundbite" multiple times. Yeah. Um, to really emphasize the point that you cannot fit this whole mm-hmm. conflict, you cannot fit the issues, you cannot fit the the humanity, the crisis, the deaths, the everything into a soundbite. No. And no and no amount of like soundbites and media snippets yeah. will fix this problem. Yeah. And by the time she gets to the end, it's another reason to watch the film clip. Like the passion in her voice and the despair and the grief is so evident. Um, and it's actually really a, like... Um, it's really affecting to watch like because you know when we do war poetry we start off with like Wilfred Owen and stuff and obviously I'm just reading it Mm. 
Um, and some of you know the Wilfred Owen poetry is really affecting and it's mm. you know but when you hear this woman who has lived through this um, recount this to them you know um, the kids are dead silent yeah. like they just watch and you get to the end and I just let them sit with it for a good 20 seconds yeah. and they're like well, what do you think and yeah. the kids were just like um, what the hell and that's when like, so I set them a little bit of like a, a research to go and look into the conflict and mm. um, and have a look at um i said go and find what you can find in the news recently yeah. about it and they go and have a look and it's like oh my god like i don't know anything about this yeah that's the thing and that's that's how yeah she teaches life and that's what she finishes the poem with she repeats we teach life sir we teach life sir we palestinians wake up every morning to teach the rest of the world life sir and it's like and that's the the last line kills you because she said we teach life we teach our children life but now she's like we're trying to teach the rest of the world like this is what's happening to us yeah nobody's helping us yeah what it like what do you want us to do and so she has to be patient and she has to pause and she has to smile she has to keep doing this job because otherwise who's going to tell the story yeah and even if it's not working maybe one day Mm. someone will listen yeah it's it's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. What's what I found interesting when I was doing some research into this is that the poem actually became inspiration for an mm. art installation, um, which is within Scottish Parliament. So the um, installation is called "We Teach Life: Children of the Occupation." Um, it was created by a Scottish photographer, Phil Chetwind, um, the Glasgow University Palestine, Palestine Society, and Larger Centre in the Ada uh, refugee camp in Bethlehem. And the photographs were actually taken by children. So it was taken by children who participated in Chetwin's workshops. So he went yeah. over there and ran workshops. Um, the images include portraits of children playing amidst razor wire, individuals smiling defiantly, making hand gestures of peace, ants pushing a bombshell. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, to name a few of the different images. Yeah. Um, and the works are accompanied by testimonies about the life of Palestinians under Israel's occupation. And this is the thing, it's like this constant occupation, like this taking back of land and stuff. It's like the Palestinians are still living in this land, but they're under Israeli occupation. Of course, their religions are so um, kind of conflicting. What I found was interesting when I was looking it up is there are stories of a long, long time ago that the two religions coexisted this long yeah. time ago really peacefully that people would be like, all right, you go get your water that you need for Shabbat, Shabbat and all this kind of stuff that you do. And they moved on and then it became this like, you know, like how did this, because like who deserves what land? And like, I don't, you know, I don't know what the answer is. And this two state solution seems to be the answer, but they obviously can't decide on how that's going to work. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, well, it's clearly like politics because there has to be, you know, they keep, they'll uh, have a truce unless this happens, unless that happens. And if you, that happens and they'll be like, oh, they bombed us and we bombed them back. And then each side's denying like, oh no, no, we didn't do that. You've just done this on purpose to like, um, make us look bad. Yeah. And then, so the people who are in charge of both of these countries, these groups are like prolonging this occupation for this, like, you know, inherent human needs. Like, I need all of, I don't really want to share it. I want it all to myself. Mm. But at the end of the day, who does it impact? The people who are there? Yeah. The and children. It's, it's the, horrendous. The families, the everyday civilians, they're the ones that are really yeah. 
you know, constantly impacted by it. And it's like you look at like, uh, and it's the same thing with like the Ukraine and Russia thing. Like, oh, Russia, Vladimir Putin, well, let's just move on. You know, he doesn't give a crap about the people that he... No. In, in his military. And that's, you know, that's, that's the story of war for hundreds of years, isn't it? That Thousands of years that the yeah. people in charge of the war don't give a crap about the people who have to go fight it. They just want to win. Yeah. And that's what the underlying theme of nearly every war poem anti-war poem that I've ever read yeah it's like you don't care about us as individuals you just want this power and that's like that inherent human flaw isn't it that you yeah but they're not willing to actually fight themselves which is always no, interesting no we send other people to do it I'm yeah. not putting myself no I wouldn't put myself at risk yeah. I want the power but nothing else but yeah it's a really powerful poem yeah um the video I think is like maybe three minutes, yeah. three to a bit minutes or something like that. And she talks only at the beginning. She gives you that background context that we talked about. And then the end is just clapping. So um, there are interviews with her that you can um, hunt down on YouTube and things like that. Um, and she has a website that you could take them to that has her other poetry and like more information. Um, and I think she's still updating it. I can't remember the last time I checked it. Uh, probably not this year, but she has been updating it. So you can keep up with her and what she's doing and like her um, visits and where she's been and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a really powerful one, especially if you do it in conjunction with. So my unit is I start off with <laughs> the dead old white guys from yeah. like, you know, World War One, Siegfried Sassoon, Wilfred Owen, move our way through to World War Two move through a little bit more it's like getting some poems by women in there because they're obviously on it at the beginning and i end off with this poem yeah um you know and i'm sure you could find especially now like with everything that's happening in the world you could probably find more um but i like to end with this one and lots of kids pick it to talk about because it is so powerful yeah. and more relatable because they're actually looking at the person who wrote the poem she's still alive yeah. she's not a dead old white guy and yeah. um, and they find it, yeah, really emotionally powerful. So heaps of my kids have picked that this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a nice little short one today because, yeah. Um, but do some research, get the kids to do some research into the Israeli-Palestinian thing as well and have a bit of a look into her life. And um, maybe I think you can get onto that um, art exhibit. I think you can see it on the internet. You can, yeah. So that would be cool to have a look at as well. But yeah. Nice little short one. I think that's about class dismissed yeah bye bye